This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. Hello, Books and Nachos listeners. I'm Arnie. Have you heard there's a movie coming out in May based on the Avengers comic series? If the advertising glut from the Super Bowl to the endless ads on billboards and TV have included you in, maybe you've heard about it on some of my other podcasts, like Marvelicious Toys, which you can find at MarveliciousToys.com, where Justin, Marjorie, and I discuss Marvel collectibles, including all of the Avengers-related action figures and high-end collectibles. Or over at Now Playing at NowPlayingPodcast.com, where Stuart Jacob and I have been reviewing all the movies based on Marvel comic superheroes leading up to the Avengers release this May. Right now at Now Playing, we're in the home stretch of our Marvel retrospective looking at the films based on the Incredible Hulk, one of the Avengers' founding members. Due to that, I've decided to go beyond the films, as we often do here at Books and Nachos, and look at Lou Ferrigno's autobiography, My Incredible Life as the Hulk. Now, I bought this book years ago... But it was honestly by accident. I was attending Wizard World Chicago, the convention, and Lou was in attendance. I wanted an autograph on my Incredible Hulk Returns DVD, and Lou was charging for autographs, charging for pictures with him, and charging for his book. Paying for the autograph and a picture of my wife with the Hulk, we were then strong-armed into buying his book. He gave us a hard sell, and we finally gave in and bought it, but I ended up feeling cheated because the book came with a free autograph. But when I tried to get the book signed, having already paid separately for another autograph, Lou tried to charge us another $20 to sign the book, so we gave up and walked away with the book unsigned. And a little bitter about that, the book has sat on my bookshelf now for seven years, and many times I've thought about reading it, but only with now playing's deep dive into the Hulk, specifically Lou Ferrigno's years working with it and my reviewing every single episode of the series on the Venganza Media Gazette, did I take it down from my bookshelf and give it a read. Truth be told, I love biographies and autobiographies, specifically of entertainment figures. From Bruce Campbell to Mick Jagger to Jim Morrison to Kiss, I've read authorized and unauthorized tales of their rises to fame, their most famous works, and then often their falls. As such, I know the way these stories go. The epitome of the autobiography for me is Tracy Lords. What we want to know is what life was like when she was a porn star, hiding her age, who knew what and what the porn star lifestyle was like. But before we got to the money shot, if you will, in that book, first we had to read several chapters about her broken home life, her manipulative stepfather, and so on. Then the meat of the story seemed all too quick, and As we moved on to Tracy's post-porn life where she tried to make herself out to be more important and more legitimate than she really is, in my opinion. So, I was really shocked when in Lou Ferrigno's autobiography, only four pages are spent telling of Lou's early life, his abusive father, and what it was like to grow up as a child wearing a hearing aid the size of his chest. No, this book is truly about his life as the Hulk, not his life in general, with the Incredible Hulk as a selling point. And in those four pages of pre-Hulk life, a primary focus is Lou's childhood obsession with the Hulk. Normally, when an actor associated with a role talks of his pre-existing love of the material, 
I am naturally cynical. It is usually at best an exaggeration of a true event, spinning the reading of a comic one time into a major fandom of the material. But here, Lou has such details of hiding his Hulk comics from his rageaholic father that I found myself believing it. And this is aided by the quote at the beginning of chapter 2, where the director of Pumping Iron, the bodybuilding documentary that launched both Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger into the spotlight, states that during filming, Lou stated the reason he built his body so much was because he wanted to be the Hulk. And within five pages in the book, we're thrust into Lou's adult life as a bodybuilder moving to Los Angeles to continue to compete in the Mr. Olympia competition when he's asked to audition for the role of the Incredible Hulk. Having no acting background, Ferrigno explains to us his mindset in taking the job, which would ultimately lead him away from the world of professional bodybuilding. I couldn't believe the pace at which the book moved. Biographies in general, and autobiographies in particular, tend to be stretched almost to the point of breaking. The mindset is usually that if you're picking up a book to find out about a person's life, that life should be detailed in very excruciating detail. But Ferrigno doesn't seem interested in belaboring points, nor in hitting a high word count on his autobiography. Published in oversized trade paperback format, the book is only 175 pages, and it's formatted more like a yearbook than a biography, with almost every page having an oversized picture, and many times the whole page is just one or more photos, plus a 12-page index at the back of Incredible Hulk episodes and websites. As such, it feels like a whirlwind ride through Ferrigno's life up until he was hired to be the Hulk, and while I appreciate him not regaling us with details of his workout routines and dietary practices, telling me how kind or how mean coaches were to him and so on, I actually would have liked to know a bit about the man's beginnings. He was featured in the documentary Pumping Iron, but while a few mentions of that documentary are made, there's no real discussion of what it was like to be on camera for the first time, to be competing against Arnold Schwarzenegger, or his efforts at the Mr. Olympia title in general. Instead, we're taken right into his career as the Hulk, and told entirely from Lou's point of view. We read what it was like for him to meet Bill Bixby, an actor he had admired in the past, and how quickly he had to take the job. But when talking about his work as the Hulk, Lou's story comes off really odd to me. In his own telling, he comes off as someone you wouldn't want to work with. When challenged, he threw a stuntman far past the target and could have caused that man severe injury. And additionally, he hated the makeup process. He'd talk about how mean he would get it during it, how sullen. He had to sit in a refrigerated trailer for much of the time, whereas the other cast and crew could be out conversing and bonding. And so he felt very cut off and oftentimes wasn't very nice about it. And one day he returned to his trailer and found it locked. So he ripped the door right off its hinges in a rage. I mean, he makes himself sound more like the Hulk in a very frightening way. And he tells these stories so matter of factly that I can't tell if this is Lou's confessional, his tell all book, or just his method of justifying his past actions. And Truthfully, I feel he's glossing over a lot. I should add that the copy of his autobiography I'm reading was published in 2003, just before Ang Lee's Hulk film was released. Two years later, Jose Canseco's Juiced would hit markets and shine the spotlight again on the use of anabolic steroids in baseball. But without Canseco paving the way, it's logical, though disappointing, that Ferrigno would make no mention of steroids in his book, neither an admission of using nor a denial of use. As the book doesn't really discuss his bodybuilding days at all, perhaps Lou thought it was irrelevant, but his descriptions of his violent temper, punching one man in a movie theater, ripping doors off their hinges, 
it all made me think of roid rage, and a couple Google searches told me that steroid use wasn't illegal for bodybuilders in the 70s, and Slate.com had an article in 2002 commemorating the 25th anniversary of pumping iron and stated that the producers saw Ferrigno use supplements and enhancers, though if they were anabolic is never discussed. Schwarzenegger himself has been kind of dodgy discussing possible past steroid use as well, so it's hard to say with any certainty what was taken by whom, but if Lou had used this book as a way to say, steroid use is bad and it made me tear down doors, I could have accepted his chemically induced behavior, but as written, I don't know if he was under the influence or just an asshole. He equally does not gloss over the time when he performed a work stoppage. Being a total unknown when hired for the Hulk, Lou was paid scale for his role. But by the time season two started, he felt it was unfair, and when studio bosses refused to renegotiate his contract, Lou simply stopped showing up for work. This, like the door incident, is rationalized. He gives us his mindset at the time. But looking at it from a bigger picture, the other crew and cast involved... I'm not entirely sure if Ferrigno realized that such behavior painted him in a bad light to the reader. It might not have come off so bad if his own autobiography were a little bit more well-researched, and I realize that sounds funny for an autobiography, but if Lou had gotten in touch with those with who he worked on the show, who he knew years before, if he'd asked for their input, maybe the story would have spun better. But as it is, Ferrigno's story is almost entirely from his own point of view, and includes only his recollections of what others said to him at the time, not how they view the events with the benefits of distance. I say it's almost entirely from his own point of view because at times Lou's autobiography felt more like a research paper than anything else. From what I can tell, Ferrigno performed no interviews as part of the book, but instead he relied on using quotes that Bixby, series creator Kenneth Johnston, Hulk creator Stan Lee, and others said in previous published interviews. It's a point driven home, when Lou mentions people and says he hasn't seen them since the 70s or 80s, making me wonder, why don't you give him a call, Lou? Rekindle the friendship. Get a quote or two for your book. But instead, the POV is entirely that of the author. And as a biased narrator, I found myself a bit shocked when Ferrigno would recount his work with Bill Bixby. Now, I really respect Bill Bixby's acting. I've been watching him since I was a child. I've seen him in My Favorite Martian, in Hulk, in so many works but I knew very little about Bixby's personal life before reading this book. I remember I saw some interviews when the making of TV movies came out and maybe a few interviews in Starlog here or there, but I didn't know a lot about him personally. When Ferrigno started to write about Bixby's marital troubles and a falling out Bixby had with his best friend, the way it was told just felt a bit wrong to me, and it started to feel like a tell-all book about a deceased TV icon. But the book oscillates. Sometimes we hear stories about Bixby that are almost reverential, and Lou describes how he and Bixby were like brothers. Other times the stories felt like gossip, with second or third hand takes on the occurrences. Yet, rumors that I did know going in about Bixby and Ferrigno having strife on the set are mostly glossed over, but Ferrigno does paint Bixby as an insecure actor jealous of his more muscular alter ego on screen, and worried that only Ferrigno's on-screen time mattered to the viewers and Bixby's own did not. And these stories continue, Lou recounts the series season by season, and he mentions, very briefly, high points of the season for him, certain stunts he had to perform, dangers he faced or guest stars on the series, and how the series came to an abrupt end. Doing my own research for Now Playing, 
I did find a lot of the facts in Ferrigno's autobiography were slightly different than official accounts. For example, when discussing the cancellation of the show, Ferrigno's book doesn't make any mention of the writer's strike that actually was the cause of the cancellation. The show would have continued more than likely for several more episodes had that strike not occurred, Ferrigno paints it to be just an entire network decision. Also disappointing, while he talks about certain episodes, he doesn't really give much input into how the show evolved over the years, and perhaps it's because he wasn't a writer, he was an actor, but these are the types of things that, as the person who played the Hulk, I would have enjoyed reading. Further, when we get into the more modern times and he's talking about the reunion TV movies in which he appeared, he also has little insight into the behind-the-scenes activities. I was really looking forward to his take on Trial of the Incredible Hulk, a movie in which Lou as the Hulk is almost entirely absent. But if his lack of screen time bothered Ferrigno, it wasn't to be said as he chose to focus more on Bixby's directorial efforts and plans for the future episodes. His book did resolve my ill feelings towards his handling of Bixby. In such a short book, it's telling that he has an entire chapter after the Hulk devoted to memorializing the actor, telling of his later work on TV series like Sledgehammer and Blossom, and Bixby's fight against the tabloids in the last years of his life. Through this, I at least wasn't left with a bad taste in my mouth, and I've come to think that maybe Ferrigno was just in haste to get the book out in time for the Ang Lee Hulk movie and didn't finesse the material as he could have with a rewrite. And then, the book ends with a brief recap of his post-Hulk life, including a brief return to bodybuilding, other acting roles like King of Queens and being the voice of the Hulk in the 1990s animated series, and finally his appearance in Ang Lee's Hulk. And the book ends with Lou thinking that Lee's Hulk will outgross the previous year's Spider-Man. And we all know how that ended, but good for Lou for being so optimistic. Lou also describes in detail his big scene in the movie, which may have been confusing for readers in 2003, because when the movie came out, Lou's big scene was on the cutting room floor and wasn't seen until the DVD release a year later. Only a quick glimpse of Ferrigno walking next to Stan Lee is seen in the final theatrical cut. But with both Lee's, Stan, and Ang writing forwards for this book, suppose it pays to be diplomatic. In closing, I was glad to have given Ferrigno's book a read and to hear the man's own perspective on being the Hulk, as well as his living with a disability. I wish we got a deeper look under the skin, but the book is so damn short there's no time for it, and it reads even faster than the page count. Ferrigno uses very short sentences, and I strongly suspect the book was actually dictated, then transcribed by an assistant. Kind of tipping me off to this are some typographical errors in the book where entirely wrong words were used that sort of sound like the words that would have fit in those sentences. Then again, perhaps the book's writing style was intentional. Ferrigno points out that the Hulk has always been a hit for adults as well as children. Maybe he was going for an all-ages writing style. The oversized picture book format of the autobiography lends itself to that conclusion. And I do think if I were 8 years old or maybe even 12 when I was really into behind-the-scenes making-ofs of movies and TV, I'd be easier on this book and take it as it is. But as an adult, I can only give this book a mild recommend, and that's if you can even find it. It appears to be out of print and going for over $100 on Amazon, so you'll likely have to track down Lou at a convention to buy it. And then, be careful, I wouldn't ask Lou for another autograph or a picture unless you have cash at the ready. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this review of Lou Ferrigno's My Incredible Life as the Hulk, and don't forget to head to nowplayingpodcast.com where you can hear Jacob Stewart and me review all the Incredible Hulk films, including five of the made-for-TV movies as we lead into this May's big-screen release of The Avengers. And also, if you listen to Marvelicious Toys' March 15th issue, you can hear my review of the Peter David novelization of Ang Lee's Hulk film. David is a favorite author of mine and a longtime Hulk comic writer, so I will be looking into his expert take on the film material at MarveliciousToys.com. Finally, if you want to read me discussing the 70s Hulk series in more depth, head to VenganzaMedia.com slash Gazette with a capital G, where I will be reviewing all the Incredible Hulk TV episodes one episode each day through the release of The Avengers. Books and Nachos will return in early May, with Stuart's look at some Aliens novels that explore a different form of alien continuity and tie into now-playing Spring Donation series. So until next time, support your local bookstores, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is copyright 2011, Venganza Media Incorporated, all rights reserved.